Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I've got visions in my head. People tell me that I'm crazy. I tell them that's exactly it. I've got reasons for my absence. People tell me that I'll burn out. Hi guys, welcome back to the I Love You So Much podcast. I'm your host, Kenzie Elizabeth. Today's episode, we are talking to Danielle Robay, who's now one of my favorite people. It was just such an amazing like 40 minutes of talking. I love her. I'm obsessed with her. I follow her in everything. I love her new podcast that she recently launched with Dear Media. But if you guys are unaware, Danielle Robay is a TV host and journalist, currently a correspondent for IMDb and NBC for LA and creator of the video podcast, Pretty Smart. You've seen her on Dr. Drew, E! Extra, Entertainment Tonight Online, The Steve Harvey Show, and NBC's First Look, and Defy Media, where her daily news segments and interviews received over 100 million views a month online. In 2016, she was named co-host of WCIU's Chicago-based two-hour live morning news program, making her the youngest morning TV host in Chicago's history. With a loyal social media following of over 300,000 followers, she's chatted with everyone from Taylor Swift to Michael B. Jordan to Tom Hanks. Even Larry King has commented on her compelling interview style, saying Danielle has the ability to make people feel seen. In today's episode, we are talking about it all. We're talking career, we're talking life, favorite qualities, things that you're looking for in people, ways that we're growing. I think you guys are really, really gonna love this conversation. So be sure to go check out her podcast, um, subscribe to this one, Leave a nice rating and review if you guys like it. We have a Facebook group and Instagram. All that stuff will be in the show notes below. But I love you guys so much. And let's get started with the episode. Hello. Hello. I'm so happy to hang out with you. I am so glad we're recording it. We're on Zoom right now, but it feels like we're just like FaceTiming a friend right now. You have this like really unique ability to make people feel like they know you, even if like we just met and I feel like we've been friends. Thank you. That's so nice. Does it get you into trouble? Yeah. I was going to say, I think that's like my best and my worst quality because sometimes, yeah, yeah. I mean, fill in the blanks. It happens all the time. Yes. I can imagine. It's a thing for you. Yes. So you are new to the podcasting space. Can you tell us a little bit about a little background on your career growing up in Chicago and then also like we're, we're now in the podcast world? Yeah. So like you said, I grew up in Chicago and I watched hours of TV. Like hours and hours. I watched everything. I watched like Xena Warrior Princess and Fresh Prince and Family Matters and 90210 and The Sopranos, like anything on TV I watched. And my dad would yell at me. Like he was very into education and he'd be like, you're wasting your brain. 
And now he calls me sometimes and he'll watch like a thing that I do on TV or he'll listen to a podcast. And he's like, oh my God, I'm really sorry. I take it back. You were just doing research for your job. I always wanted to move to LA. I wanted to be the millennial Barbara Walters and like interview heads of state and celebrities and pop stars. So I moved to LA in 2013 after I graduated college from Wisconsin and I lived in a garage, (laughs) which I look back on and I'm like, how did I do that? But at the time I was just so happy to be there. And I started doing red carpet interviews. Obviously I wasn't good enough for anybody to pay me and I just needed like practice. And I made business cards. So I would hand them out on red carpets and like meet people. And about eight months in, I got my first job at a place called Clever TV, which was under Defy Media, which you probably know because you're a YouTuber. Yes, yes, yes. And that's where I learned the internet. Like right around that time, YouTube was popping, but Instagram wasn't really popular yet. Like I think people that had like two or 3,000 followers, it was a lot. That's where my career started. I did entertainment news interviewed a ton of celebrities, ended up working at Entertainment Tonight Online and the NBC station. And then I moved back to Chicago to do a morning show where I got to do news and like really interesting stories. And I missed LA. And at the time I was dating somebody who was still living in LA. So I felt like very compelled to move back and restarted my life here and decided I wanted to fuse the two. I've always been obsessed with how pop culture mirrors our everyday life and like means so much more than just that pop culture story. And now that's kind of what we're doing on the podcast. Pretty smart. I love that. I want to go back to you living in a garage. I think that's such (laughs) an important thing to talk about though, because so often people obviously on the internet only see the highlight reels. You hear that all the time, but I feel like you can never stress it enough. First off, how did you even find the garage to live in? And what were you at that point? Like, what were you doing? Because you said like, I wasn't getting paid. So were you working your way through? Were you in school? Like, what were you doing? Great question. So my grandmother's friend had a house in Santa Monica and it had a garage. So she let me live in the garage. She said I had six months for free and I had no money. I had money that like I saved up from college and weird jobs. Like I worked at a spin studio in college and like, I was like a bar and bought mitzvah dancer in high school. So like money that I had saved. And I had, I think I moved here with $2,000 and ended up having like enough to live for those six months. And I knew I had to figure it out within that time, which was kind of a lot of pressure. But also, you know, when you're naive about things, you're also really excited about it. And it's like that blind naivete that almost propels you. I actually say this all the time because I moved to LA at 17, so young. And I would get asked all the time, like, how did you do that? And to me, I was just so naive. It wasn't really an act of bravery. I was just naive. So I did it and it was so much easier. I think now I could still move places, but me moving like across the country or away from my family or whatever it might be would be a much harder thing for me to do now at 23 than it was at 17 because I was so naive. And I think that can work to your advantage. It's interesting you say that. I actually asked a lot of celebrities this in interviews. Like the last person I asked this was Issa Rae because she found so much success. And I was like, you know, part of your success came from being so bold and taking these risks. And like she said to me, 
when she came up with insecure, she had nothing to lose. And so now taking those risks feels so much scarier. Yeah, that's actually such a great point. I do think a lot of maybe qualities that you could find to be negative can actually really work in your benefit, like being naive or even um, if you feel like you have nothing to lose, like if you're actually at rock bottom and you feel like you have nothing to lose at that point, I think sometimes that's where you find either the most success or the breaking point that you needed. Okay, I want to talk about when you start working at Clever and when you start actually, you're, you become employed and you're making money, right? What were some things that you did that you feel like really led to success and also just practically like finding a job in this space? That's a, another great question. Also, like I would put making money in quotations because I was not making that much money. <laughs> you know, I'll never forget the feeling of being like, oh my God, can I afford my rent this month? And then also like, yes, I can afford my rent, but like this $60 dinner feels like way too much, you know, like it was like, oh my God, this is going to really impact me. I don't think you ever lose that feeling once you've had it. In terms of getting a job at Clever, it was one of the most fantastic experiences of my life because people that are familiar with Clever are diehard Clever fans. And we had this crew of people that a lot of them went on to be YouTubers or influencers. We had Rylan Adams and Jocelyn Davis and Aaron Robinson and Dana Ward. And Everybody was in the trench. Like we were learning YouTube together and figuring it out and coming up with shows and they let us be so creative. It was like a big experiment basically, you know, and some of it worked and some of it didn't, but we were all learning and laughing together. And to this day, the people that I worked with were, are some of my closest friends, which in LA is such a gift. I mean, you have that with your YouTube friends, right? Like when you are in the trenches together and figuring it out and, and just, bootstrapping. It's like those experiences you don't ever forget. Guys, I have the perfect game for you, for me, for all of us. Okay. As we know, I'm quite the reader. I grew up reading Nancy Drew and still to this day, my favorite genre is thriller. I love a good mystery. I love a different era. I love all of it. Okay. And that's why I've been loving this June's journey game. In this hidden object murder mystery game, you will awaken your inner sleuth and step right into a thrilling adventure set in the heart of the Roaring Twenties. You get to play as June Parker. She's an amateur detective investigating the mysterious death of her sister. This free-to-download mobile game puts your powers of observation to the test, not to mention your memory and logic skills, leaving you refreshed and ready to tackle life's next thrill. I love June's journey. You're searching for objects, and the game just really makes me think. It also relaxes me at the same time, and I have to rely on my memory. So I just, I don't know. I'm obsessed. Like I can't put it down, guys. They have 30 million downloads. So if you guys don't want to listen to me, listen to the 30 million downloads that they have, okay? You guys can join the 30 million fans across the globe and awaken your inner detective with June's journey. It's free to download on your phone or tablet. You can search for hidden objects and collect clues to solve the mystery. There are endless hours of fun with thousands of intricate scenes and new chapters every week. I love the game. Like I said, it's really relaxing. It's right up my alley. It's basically everything I've ever wanted in a book or a story, but in a game that I can actually play and be a part of. So be sure to go download it. June's Journey, guys. It's free to download. It is so fun to play. 30 million fans, guys. Okay, trust me. It's a perfect game to play at night too when I'm winding down and I'm cooking and I'm waiting for something to cook in the oven, you know? That's when I pull it out. It's so much fun. Okay, guys, go download June's Journey and let's get back to the episode. 
yeah, those friendships are some of the strongest. I talk to the, my like OG YouTube friends, honestly, like every few hours we're in a group, we literally talk 24 seven and it's been that way for, you know, eight years. And as we've gone into different projects and stuff that has been, I think one of the most helpful, even today, I was asking like, Hey, so-and-so got pitched. Like, what do you think? Cause there's a little bit of controversy, like things like that. It just really does make such a big difference. So at this point, when you are, you know, going on with your career, at what point do you feel like you were taken seriously? Like what was your big turning point if there was one? Yeah, there was. It's actually something I struggled with in my career because I so badly wanted to be taken seriously. I know this sounds strange, but I've always had kind of big boobs. And so I also think that it led to people not taking me seriously, at least in my mind. And I so badly wanted to be known for being a good journalist and for being smart and to do good work. And so when I got the opportunity to move back to Chicago to do a morning show where I got to do stories on gun control and violence in the city and voting rights, not only did people take me more seriously, but I took myself more seriously, which I think was the biggest shift. I really felt more confident in my skill set, which was the biggest reason I took the job. I think some people thought maybe that going back to Chicago after hosting in LA is a step back, but I kind of looked at it as maybe like a step to the side to take a few steps forward eventually. No, I think that's really cool. At what point in this, when you were in Chicago, did you decide like, oh, I'm ready for my next chapter? I really loved that job. It was my favorite job I've ever had day to day. If I'm being fully honest, I don't really talk about this because I don't quite have the words for it yet, but found out that my male co-host was making significantly more than I was. And I was pissed because I was doing just as much, if not more work. Like I had more of a, a following and it was right in the heart of the Me Too movement. Like Kat Sadler came and I was fired up because so many of the experiences that these women had shared to some degree resonated with me. and my contract came up and I just thought to myself, how am I going to sit next to this person at the desk that I sit at every day, knowing that I'm making so much less? I can't. And so, you know, Oprah started her career in local news on the East coast. And there's this YouTube video. She talks about how she went and she found out her co-host, the anchor nectar was, was making way more money. And she went into her boss and said, you know, I'd like to make the same. And he said, well, do you have a mortgage? Do you have kids? And she said, no. And he said, well, you know, I'm not going to give you a raise. And she said, instead of fighting with him, she realized he was never going to recognize her worth. And she had to use the job for what she needed and move forward. And 23 years to the day, I had the same experience. And I thought to myself, if nothing has changed in 23 years, something has to start. It's going to start with small acts of courage, basically. And I want to be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. So I moved back to LA. I quit. How did you like emotionally navigate that? It was really hard because I loved that job. And so much of my identity used to be wrapped up in what I did because I had such a passion for it. Now through therapy, I've like unwound that a little bit. But at that point, Honestly, I was kind of depressed. I mean, nobody was hiring me at that point in LA and I was unemployed for six months. I was kind of depressed. 
I want to talk a little bit about how you said you kind of unwound your identity and what you did. This is something I'm very passionate about because same story and literally through therapy, that's kind of how I've gotten out of that. But practically speaking, like what were some things that you did that you found to be helpful as far as finding your identity outside of what you do? I got a lot of confidence from achievement. And so I had to learn how to find confidence for just being. And I was like, okay, what parts of myself do I feel proud of? And if I can't name any, that's a real problem. So what parts of myself do I need to practice or work on so that I do feel proud? And I wanted to be a better friend. I felt like I didn't learn growing up how to be a great friend. And in order to have friends, you have to be a friend. And so instead of looking for all of these things that I wanted, I decided I had to become all of those things. I had to learn how to be a friend. I had to learn how to put more emphasis on like my confidence in listening. I think I'm a great listener. You know, like these little things, you can almost write them out and list what you're proud of that has nothing to do with what you do. I want all my loungewear to be as comfortable as possible, right? But I also want all of my bras and underwear, bralettes, everything, you name it, to be as comfortable as possible. And that's why I am completely obsessed with me undies. Let me give you my perfect little cozy morning routine. I'm wearing the boy shorts and the breathe scoop bralette. I'm walking downstairs. I'm making some coffee and I'm reading a book. That's what I want every single day. Okay. I cannot describe to you how soft all of their stuff is. I can't believe I wore anything else to begin with. That is how soft it is. Okay. If you guys are unfamiliar, Me Undies believes that comfort is about more than what's touching your skin. It's about feeling comfortable in your skin. That's why Me Undies not only uses a sustainable, breathable, soft as heck fabric, but they also give you endless styles to choose from. It's total comfort inside and out. They also offer classic styles to ridiculous prints so you can fully express yourself in your own unique way. They also have a size range of extra small to 4XL. It's also incredible because you don't need to leave your house with a Me Undies membership. It's a monthly subscription that sends new pairs right to your door. With site-wide savings and exclusive sales, you're automatically pay less for everything. Me Undies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you guys can get 15% off and free shipping. They also have a problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any of the products for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it, no questions asked. So to get 15% off your first order and free shipping, go to meundies.com slash I love you. That's meundies.com slash I love you. I cannot recommend their stuff enough. You guys will buy it. You will feel it. And you will be thanking me because it is so unbelievably soft. Again, I, I feel like I'm a little bit of a queen of loungewear. Okay. And so I know my comfy clothes and that's why you guys need meundies. You don't just want comfortable clothes. You also want comfortable underwear and bras. And like, I live in this stuff and you guys will too. Again, that is just meundies.com slash I love you. I remember going through this period of time where my friends and I were always together. I had a problem with like how much I was working at that point. It was never like the numbers on the screen, but it was like my almost work ethic, which is really unhealthy and also like work smarter, not harder. Like it was, it was really dumb, right? But I remember the number one thing people would say about me was that I'm such a hard worker. And I was like, listen, I don't care that people think that. I don't want that to be the number one thing that my closest friends say about me. Like, I want to be known as a good friend, someone who's trustworthy, someone who shows up, someone who cares. And I realized at that point, my career had just taken 
up way too much space in my life towards like I was building a career, but I wasn't actually building a life. And while I Mm, had friends, yeah, right. While I had friends who I loved and adored and I'm lucky I've been someone who's had at home the same friends since I was 10. They, I think were very patient with me and knew that I would kind of like chill out, but it took me a long time to be able to care more about like who I was becoming rather than what I was doing. And also I think that because of who I've become, I think I'm better at what I do now. And that was so important to learn. That part. First of all, you were so wise. (laughs) And second of, I wish I knew that when I was 23, truly. And second of all, it does make you better. It makes you be able to connect with people on a different level, makes you more aware. It makes you make decisions that are more in line with who you are, which inevitably makes more opportunities come your way. Yep. Building a life is really important. And I think we grew up in a generation and a culture that really glorifies the hustle, which is not the most important part. It is a component. It is not the component. Have you gone back to try and figure out why work ethic was so important to you? I have so many times and it's weird because yes, while on one hand, I do feel like I was praised for it growing up. My dad specifically like thinks I could run for president, but not even because of what I do. Like my dad just loves me. I have such great parents that are so supportive. And I don't know, I've gone back so many times in therapy. I was just born this way. I don't know how to describe it. It was like out of the womb, even with school, like the little things, I would be up and ready for school, like sitting downstairs in the dark, waiting for my parents to wake up. Like I have been like this since I was born. I can't pinpoint anything. I went through a lot growing up, but I was like this before. So I've tried so many times. Have you figured out what it was for you? Interesting. Not fully either. I think my family really valued achievement, which sounds sort of cliche, but I think that, you know, we were really praised as kids for doing well. And I love the idea of doing well and doing good. That makes sense. A hundred percent. I think too, just in the past few years of this happening, moving out at 17, it was such a risk. And I did something different than a lot of my friends were doing. Cause typically you would just go off to like a university and I was in school, but I was also working. And so I feel like that added so much pressure that I wasn't maybe necessarily prepared for, like I pulled it off and I did it, but I don't think I realized all the damage it was doing in the meantime. And so now I feel like I really started this journey probably like three and a half years ago of trying to kind of unwind that from my identity. And I think now I see things totally different and I see people who are doing what I was doing just emotionally And it's just, honestly, it takes a lot of practice. You have to actually be intentional with it because if not, especially with social media, which I want to talk about influence with you specifically, I care so much more about the actual one relationships that I have with my followers and the community that I build, but also like what I'm actually influencing. I I don't want a million followers with absolutely no actual influence. I would much rather it be like when I'm people out and about, they feel like they know everything about me and they don't but they do know a lot. And I do share a good amount of my life. Like I meet people, they come up to me half the time. They have a literally a drink in hand that I posted on my Instagram story. And they'll ask about my dogs. They'll ask about like a friend or something like that. And to me, that's so much more rewarding. So I want to talk to you about 
influence and social media and like how you're currently using social media? I love this topic so much because I feel very passionate about using social media and not being used by it. Because just like anything in life, like you can't fall behind. You can't not have social media and just say like, I'm, I'm not doing any of it, especially in what I do and what you do. It's integral. So that said, I was like, how do I make social media work for me? Because when Instagram was starting, it was like very much about fashion influencers. And I kind of tried to do that because that's what it was. That's what the platform was. And I felt really awkward. Like I was not meant for that at all. And I sat down and I thought, okay, how do I make this platform work for me? I'm going to come up with pillars. And this is what I tell everybody to do for personal branding exercises is come up with four pillars that you want to talk about. And I'm not saying that that's the only thing you can talk about, but it's four things that people are going to know to come to your page for. So for me, it's fitness, feminism, fitness, maybe like sports fall under that. It's books. I do like a ton of book recommendations. And then I also do stuff about my work. So like interviews, learning about guests, covering topics. And yeah, I post other things on stories, but on my feed, that's mainly what you'll see. And then my life changed when I learned this. I went on Larry King's show to talk about influence. And Larry King was such a mentor of mine that I studied for two weeks for the show because I was like, I need to impress him and I need to make this meaningful. I'm not going to blow this opportunity. And in this experience, I researched what the word influence means. And it comes from the word influere in Latin, which means to flow. And I read a lot of Oprah and Oprah says, when you are in a state of flow, your personality and your purpose are aligned. Your personality and your purpose. And then I think like, who do you think does it best on social media? My friends, Julia and Hunter, I would say. Okay, so I have to look them up. To me, the first thing that came to mind was like Liza Koshy, Cardi B, The Rock. And these people, like you said, are not sharing everything about their life, but the things they are sharing, they're very authentic. That is flow, personality and purpose. So when I am posting, I make sure that I feel like it is in line with who I am and what I am and what I stand for. And then I never feel embarrassed by it. That is so good. Similarly, my old pastor used to say like, basically he would always talk about the feeling of like when the wind of heaven is at your back and when there's certain things that you're doing just career wise or even in your personal life where you're just like, I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. That is the best feeling. But I do think I know that you only can achieve that by, you know, living authentically, obviously with boundaries on the internet. And I think with boundaries is a very important part where you're talking about, you know, they're not sharing everything. I think, like you said earlier, like I do feel like people feel like they know so much and I do think they do, but there's so much more in my life that you have no idea. Like it's not going to hit the internet. There's a lot of personal things. I'm very, I'm a lot more guarded when it comes to if it has anything to do with another person, like I'm way more private about that stuff. And I have found that, yeah, I actually need to sit down and do this personal branding exercise. I think I'm actually going to do it today. I was listening to your podcast earlier and you guys were talking about the B book and I need to, I need to go to this. This is what I have to do. But I think it is so important. Also, another thing I wanted to ask you, because you started at Clever and you were learning the internet there, do you feel like that gave you a big advantage throughout your career that you had like almost a one up on everyone else because you really knew what you were talking about? That's so interesting. I've never thought about it that way. I've always felt like I had one foot in traditional media and one foot in digital media. 
which has really helped because the people that don't understand digital, I think have fallen behind or will fall behind fully. And the people that understand digital are the future. So I think I have one foot in both, which is like a a pretty unique expertise. That said, the internet taught me so much. Like, I feel like I really understand branding because of the internet. Because when you have to like make yourself a brand, you have to figure it out trial and error. Like I've definitely made mistakes doing it, but it's the only way you figure it out. Hi, everyone. I want to tell you guys about a podcast that I am loving right now. It is Work in Progress with Sophia Bush. It's one of my favorite shows. I need to explain to you guys how crazy it is that I am reading this ad read right now because I love Sophia Bush. One Tree Hill is probably my all-time favorite TV show. I was obsessed with her. I binge watched it all sophomore year of high school and I have followed her for years and years. Okay. So I'm so excited to be telling you guys about work in progress. So on each episode, Sophia talks to inspiring leaders about their journeys through adversity with her signature dose of wit and lots and lots of laughs. Also, she has the most soothing voice ever. It is actually one of my favorite podcasts in the entire world. She has one of the most soothing voices. It's like the best listen. With no topic off limits, Sophia and her guests discuss everything from sustainability, racial injustice, equality to COVID-19, mental health, and more. Work in Progress kicks off this season with an up-close and personal chat with Hillary Clinton. That is crazy, okay? From the beginning, Hillary's parents taught her the power of standing on your own two feet. And she's used that drive throughout her political career. She tells us the hilarious story about the time she ran for the president of her student council and how that election foreshadowed other experiences in her life. We also hear about her thoughts on why economic prosperity for all women is absolutely necessary in order to improve our communities. You'll walk away from every episode having listened to a conversation between friends and you'll come away with a new perspective and with confidence that comes from being both a work in progress and a masterpiece. Again, honestly, that was perfect for today's episode. We're both a work in progress and a masterpiece. You know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that down. Check out Work in Progress with Sophia Bush and subscribe to the series on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, or wherever you're listening to podcasts right now. You can also listen to episodes ad-free by starting your free trial of Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. I think it's such an important thing. And I know something you're very passionate about is like storytelling. And I think the internet gives so many other people opportunities for that. And not only to tell their story, but for other people to feel involved with their stories. And I think that's why YouTube vlogging specifically has been so successful. I think that's why when you bring people in as you're going through a process of starting a brand, things like that, the sales like quadruple typically And I think because people are so connected and they want to know the story, even looking at right now where the whole, I hate to say female founded, whatever, but just people, but specifically like female founders are like the hot topic right now. And I think it's because you feel like, you know, them, I am way more drawn to brands. And now I'm lucky enough to know a lot of these women just because of the podcast. I'm way more drawn to brands, even if I know the founder or I know the story of the founder. Fully. I think people buy into why you made something and not what you made necessarily. I mean, I know I am. A hundred percent. I think it's hard not to. You just feel a lot more connected. I agree. I want to talk about your favorite qualities in a woman. Like if you are thinking of, this is the coolest person I know, this is someone that I want to be more like, what are the qualities that are drawing you to that? Okay, so there's this quote by Shirley Chisholm 
And she says, service is the rent you pay for a room on this earth. And learning about you and listening to your podcast, I feel like that's very in line with you as well and your upbringing. And I truly feel like service is the rent I pay. So when I see somebody who lives that, I am so drawn to them. And not in like a, you know, I think it's like a little buzzy right now to be like, how can I support you? And if it's backed up by something, then that's awesome. But people that live a life of service, I am in admiration of them. And also, I think somebody who lives in service really knows themselves. Because if you don't have enough to give yourself, you can't give to other people. So those that are giving are very full of themselves as well. And they tend to be more aware because they know that they're in a place where they can give. My favorite quality in someone, and I can't really just put this into one word, but it's someone who is comfortable with themselves and so comfortable that they make everyone else around them comfortable. Like one of my mentors in LA, this like she embodies this. This is where I even got it from. But she is so comfortable with herself and confident in herself. She's not trying to be anything more or anything less. And every person around her feels you feel better being around them because it's like, oh, this is a breath of fresh air. I don't feel like I'm either walking on eggshells or trying to impress or trying to see what's okay and what's not. I just think that's such an invaluable thing. And I think a lot of that goes back to knowing yourself and being at peace with who you are, which is a very hard place to get to. It really is. You can only do it through a lot of reflection and work. But I agree with you. People that make other people comfortable by their own individualism is incredible. And I think that's kind of linked to servitude or serving as well, because those are typically the people who are like, hey, what can I do? It's not, I think as a culture, we kind of have it wrong where people who, you think about someone who's confident and it's like, you think about all of the like funny TikToks with the like lyrics and stuff. And yes, hundred percent. I think that's all beautiful and love that. But I also think that someone who's really confident isn't necessarily super focused on themselves. And more often than not, when someone is like so focused on themselves, maybe they're just trying to get there and that's totally fine. But I've just found in my personal life, those who really have the peace in themselves and the confidence in themselves are typically the ones that are also, you know, focused on serving other people and are not just like me, me, me. Yeah. You feel better about you when you are serving others, which is something that we're not really taught growing up. A hundred percent. If I'm ever having a bad day, I just leave my house and I'll just be extra nice to people. And yes, I live in Texas, so it's easy. But that makes me feel so much better. I don't know what it is, but I will like go out of my way. And yes, it's kind of selfish because I'm also like, I know some make you feel better, but it is true. I don't know what it is, but I just think we were like designed to be nice to people. Like it makes you feel better somehow, you know? You know, what's so funny is I know everyone's human, but like watching you on Instagram, I'm like, she's so happy. She never has a bad day. Like I can't even imagine no. you having a bad day. I have like bad anxiety. So it just depends on like what phase of life I'm in. And sometimes there's no problem. But like, I, I think the difference is I'm extremely intentional on being healthy in like every aspect of my life. But that is driven from anxiety. So like Instagram is a highlight reel. I'm only going to share good days. I'm not going to share like when I'm crying in my car. Cause like, <laughs> I think you said this actually, like, I don't think that's necessarily the place where I'm going to process well on social media, you know, in real time. And I think just learning how to like process through emotion, when to process through emotion, and also how and what like makes me better has made it maybe seem that way. I do think I'm a relatively happy person, but not every day is that great at all. 
I love hearing that. Me neither. (laughs) Speaking of like social media and having bad days and just boundaries of social media and what you share, I know you talked about how you went through a really hard year. How have you been able to like navigate that career-wise? Because I think it's really different. And I've tried to explain this before. And I, I think sometimes when I try to explain this, it maybe sounds arrogant. And I don't mean it that way. But when you're like on camera for work, it's different than like if I were to be able to just go in and clock in and clock out and there's not a camera on my face. And like for me, it's like I'm putting the camera on my face, but it relies on being on camera. So when I'm going through a hard time, it is so much harder for me to do my job because I feel like it translates even though it might not. So what are things that you do or like how do you navigate boundaries and also taking care of yourself? Yeah, you know, I had a mentor early on that said audiences have a really good BS meter. So you always have to show up as, your authentic self because people can feel it. So I agree with you. You know, there were days that I was like sitting on my couch crying (laughs) where I couldn't be on camera. It just, I couldn't do it. And luckily my schedule allowed some flexibility, but I actually think the days where I had to be helped me because they forced me to like get up and take a shower and fake it almost. And sometimes fake it till you make it is not a bad thing. Like sometimes a mask can become your face. You just need a change of scenery, a walk around the block, some fresh air. Like you have to change your state. And that could be a cold shower. I found connection in during like, I think the hard year you're referring to, I talked about on my podcast was I was pretty depressed and I'd never gone through depression before. It wasn't something that was chemical. It was like acute. And I have a much deeper empathy for people in general, having gone through that, I'll say this, and I'm not saying this is a cure for depression by any means, but the one thing that always made me feel better was going to the gym, moving my body and sweating. You do? Yeah. That's helped me the most. I totally am behind that one. To this day, like, honestly, I woke up this morning and I was not my happiest self. And I went to the gym. I was fine after that. Like it turned my whole day around. There's something happens. Those endorphins change us. No, I 100%. And I know sometimes people think that's an annoying thing to hear, but I'm like, that's just the truth for me. I have to work out. I have to kind of stay in a certain routine. But that's really great advice. Speaking of advice, what do you think is the best piece of career advice you've ever been given? And then what do you think is the best career advice you've ever given? Ooh, what a good question. So my mentor is a man named Steve Carlson and he changed my life. He was the first person that I learned the idea of servitude from. So he lives his life that way. And he never impressed it upon me, but I saw how he lived. And I thought, oh my God, I want to be like him. And he said to me, make good decisions every day. And hopefully they amount to something. They add up to something. And I think when you are in a career or an industry where you take big risks, you feel like you don't have a ton of control. And so to think about just making good decisions every single day feels way better to me. And to this day, I think about that. Like, I don't know what my five-year plan is, but I know what feels right tomorrow. And I know what feels right next, so to speak. It like eased my anxiety. (laughs) Yeah. Even I think that's something I'm going to carry with me because I'm someone who I will like future trip over something. And I think every small decision can alter the course of my life. And that's something I'm currently like really working through is understanding that one, I don't have a five-year plan, 
But also, I don't know what's going to happen. And all I can do is focus on like today and tomorrow. And that's it. And that's like where I'm leaving it. I'm constantly like talking to myself almost and being like, it's okay. You can do things that scare you. You can do things that are out of your comfort zone. Like it's totally fine. And I will literally say that to myself every single day, probably for the rest of my life. So (laughs) there you go. From me to you to Steve, (laughs) from Steve to me to you. (laughs) I think the best advice I give is something that my mom always said to me and she always said, if you want something, go get it, which seems very cliche, but it's true. I see people want things all the time that they don't go after. I'll get a lot of like LinkedIn messages or DMs on Instagram about like, how do I start as a host or how do I get on camera? And I'm so happy to help. Like I'll hop on the phone with anybody, but I didn't have anyone that like taught me how to work in this industry. Like if you know your why, you figure out the what, you figure out the how, like just go figure it out, you know? And not to say you shouldn't ask people for help, but if you want it, just, I think you can do it. Like anything is possible. And I think the hardest part is like actually just starting because you will get so in your head and there'll be people, even we were talking before, it took me a year and a half, two years to finally like start the podcast, right? And that was the hardest part was getting me to actually do it. And not that it hasn't been difficult since and not that there's not a lot of work and things like that. But I do think there's a lot of power in just starting and figuring it out as you go. I 100% agree with you. Oh, I have loved this conversation. I think you are the greatest. Um, where can they find you and where can they find the podcast? It is so mutual. You are like, you are all of the things. You are really a wonderful human being. Thank you. They can find me on Instagram at Danielle Robay, R-O-B-A-Y, or um, on the podcast Pretty Smart, which is on Dear Media. And it is, I call it a love letter to women with something to say. We talk about all the things that women care about, all the things that affect us, that are on our minds. It's been, it's been like birthing a baby. <laughs> it's been incredible. So yeah. I've listened to every episode and they're all great. You guys should go listen. Oh my God, I love you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed. As always, be sure to rate and review, subscribe to the podcast, join the Facebook group, follow us on Instagram, and I will talk to you guys next Thursday.